Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Eco Impactors. Today we are joined by Fergus Moore, an impact entrepreneur and co-founder of Revive Eco. So Fergus, thanks mate for coming on the show. I know you're a busy man. No bother. So yes, <laughs> really appreciate you being here. No bother at all. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. No dramas. Um, there's a lot I want to talk about from the secular economy to entrepreneurship to your ambitious plans to change the coffee industry. But first, can you please introduce yourself to the podcast? Uh, yeah, of course. So as I said, my name is Fergus Moore. Um, I'm from Glasgow in Scotland. Um, unfortunately, not quite as sunny as I'm guessing it probably is where you are right now uh, here in Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess my goal in life is to have as broad an impact as I possibly can uh, and leave a sort of lasting mark um, on the planet as much as I can. Um, and the way I'm doing that is focusing on a drive for the circular economy uh, and for um, more sustainable business practices. Mm -hmm. And your primary method of doing that at the moment is through uh, Revive Eco. Yes, correct. Um, so, so yeah, at the, at the moment, the, my, the sort of company that I'm working on at the moment uh, is called Revive Eco, as you said. Um, and what we are looking at is creating a model that is more sustainable for, for the coffee industry. Uh, so we're looking at, at the moment, uh, the waste from from cafes and restaurants uh, or from the, co the coffee process, um, which is coffee grounds. Mm -hmm. um, these at the moment, and certainly in Scotland and around the world, mostly are being just chucked out. Uh, some, some places will use it for things like compost or fertilizer, uh, maybe to, to burn for, as a kind of biomass product. Uh, but we are looking at what's actually held within the coffee grounds. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a hell of a lot more value mm -hmm. uh, within the coffee and the kind of oils and ingredients within coffee grounds. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's our kind of goal is to access those um, and derive the maximum amount of value from coffee grounds. Okay, so just to wrap my head around what that means. So there's a collection phase. So you, you, you collect the coffee waste and there's, there's some right. kind of processing phase. We yes. work your magic to extract the goodness from the coffee waste, and then you turn that into some kind of usable product that you sell to other businesses. Yeah, that's correct. So we work with resource management partners here in Scotland to to collect the coffee grounds from across Scotland, um, collecting around about a ton, between a ton and two tons a month at the moment. So still pretty small scale. Um, and then we're developing a technology that allows us to extract these oils on a cost-effective and energy-efficient, or in a cost-effective and energy-efficient manner, mm -hmm. um, to produce these oils that will be then sold into industries such as cosmetics, pharmaceuticals, uh, back into the food and drinks industry. Uh, they've got really sort of high values in things like pharmaceuticals, even. Um, so um, that's the kind of, I guess, yeah the three stages of, of the, of the business model. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the main thing that you extract is some kind of oil. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So what products could use this oil? So you, you mentioned the cosmetic industry, mm -hmm. food and beverage. Yeah. So, so the way we kind of look at it is pretty much anything that currently uses palm oil. The chances are our oils will have, a use in mm -hmm. those products. 
um, it's not a, a straight sort of, it's not exactly the same as palm oil, but it has all the same components uh, mm -hmm. and a similar kind of makeup, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, to, to palm oil. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's our kind of, our plan is to produce a local and sustainable alternative to the ingredients like palm oil mm -hmm. um, for these different industries. Okay, so it's chemically not identical to palm oil, but practically it's a, you know, it's a practical substitute perhaps. Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why is the, the diversification of oil alternatives, why is that an important thing to do? Um, I think for us, um, the palm oil industry obviously recently has been getting a really bad rap, mm -hmm. uh, understandably so with the amount of deforestation linked to it. Um, the unfortunate thing is that palm oil actually, in terms of volumes uh, per acre, is probably the most sustainable sort of vegetable oil or, or oil like this out there. Um, but at the moment, it's being spread far too thin. Uh, the, the demand for palm oil is, is far higher than uh, the supply, hence why they're knocking down these rainforests to build new plantations. Mm -hmm. So for us, we are not looking to replace palm oil across the board. Uh, we understand that it is a valuable resource and that um, it has a place in industry. What we are trying to do is to, as you said, diversify allow industries to choose from other products that are developed in more sustainable ways um, from, in our case, waste streams uh, or from more locally sourced, um, I guess, companies. Um, right now, the kind of the, the only way the palm oil industry can be sustained is, is through deforestation, but with diversification with these new potential alternatives and mm -hmm. um, we can at least try to take some of the the burden off of them and allow them just to kind of settle into the space they currently have um for want of a a, a better way of putting it mm -hmm. yeah even if you can't completely replace that industry it's if you can provide some kind of alternative to to decrease the demand for palm oil then that can only be a good thing for our planet Absolutely. Yeah, I think not only a good thing for our planet, but also potentially actually a good thing for the palm oil industry. Right now, as a commodity, it's used so far and wide that these these sort of communities out in Indonesia and Malaysia that are growing palm oil are getting paid pennies for mm -hmm. this for this product. If the demand is reduced and there are other alternatives and they're not stripping out these these forests to grow these products there is a potential that they won't be sort of worked to the bone for sort of such a low uh, margin product mm -hmm. not allow them to because that was that was one thing we got quite a lot was like oh well palm oil sustains communities so how how can we stand by and, and sort of say that we're trying to produce a, a an alternative um, and destroy these communities. That's in, in no way our goal. As I said, our goal is not to replace palm oil. It's to, to reduce the burden on the industry that there currently is uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully do some, some uh, obviously some environmental good in the process. Mm -hmm. You say you don't want to replace the palm oil industry. Is there any way for, um, I guess, people in these countries to change their business model a, mm. a bit? 
and still kind of you know have the capacity to provide for their families is there is there can you envision a, a time in the future where it is completely replaced or or no um i mean potentially uh, as i said though like if the 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 scale that palm oil is at, at the moment too big i guess it's quite difficult to even envision mm-hmm. uh something replacing it completely especially considering as i said volume to acre wise palm oil is the best sort of source we have at the moment as far you get far more oil from it than soy or coconut or or anything anything else mm-hmm. um but as it, I, you know that's at the moment regardless of how how much volume you can get from it they still they're still struggling to produce uh, the amount that the the like the globe demands mm-hmm. um i think that there's certainly a way that we could get it to a point that these that the industry is stable that they're not looking to knock down swathes of rainforests or or sort of uh or anything like that to to try and to just keep up mm-hmm. so if we can get to even get it to a point that they're they are stable that they're okay we've got x number of acres of palm oil plantation and that is fine for for the palm oil demand that doesn't help with the rainforests that have already been um you know destroyed but it at least guarantees that it should that that destruction won't continue mm-hmm. um so what are the biggest roadblocks that need to be addressed to support sustainable innovation like your project revive eco what are some roadblocks yeah um normally when we we kind of look at uh either roadblocks or sort of things that can help drive us forward we split we split it into three key areas and that's normally sort of societal economic and then policy so government um and I feel that those are still the three key roadblocks at the moment. Societally, there is an education side of things that still uh, needs addressing. Um, I think that the public, as uh, at large, sort of as a as a group, doesn't necessarily understand or know enough about sustainability, about the circular economy, about climate change. Um, which stems from misinformation, from fake news, from from everything, but also just stems from a lack of education in the first place um, on these things. I think that there's an element, I think maybe talk a bit more about the circular economy later on, but Mm -hmm. there's an element of a feeling towards the circular economy that it's just a new buzzword for kind of hippie, tree-hugging type um, Yeah, business I, practices or, or just a CSR push mm-hmm. by companies which which it, it isn't it's a it's a complete rethink of you know the kind of economic business model uh, it's, it's not looking at just trying to do a bit of good to put to sort of throw on your website it's mm-hmm. looking at completely redesigning the entire uh, landscape for business so I, th- I think that there's definitely an educational piece there. I think that's that that then stems down into the economic side of things that both from a, a sort of investment front and from other businesses 
investors aren't necessarily clued up on what the circular economy is or what sustainable business is yet. Uh, and I haven't quite seen that there is actually value there beyond just sort of the environmental value or environmental impact. Okay, that's what you've found at the moment so far? C- certainly, it's it's improving. Mm-hmm. It, is, it certainly is improving, uh, but your kind of high-level uh vcs and things like that for a long time it's kind of been if we're not 100 percent profit driven then they don't they they're they feel the risk is too high whereas we are looking at it for we and i guess people within the circular economy and the sustainable business look at the the fact that what we are trying to do is build a business that doesn't just make a short win or, or a quick buck we're looking at making a business that is both sustainably sustainable environmentally, but also sustainable as a business. We want to create a business that is going to be here in a hundred years' time, mm-hmm. not a business that's going to make a hundred million dollars in ten years and then disappear because we didn't innovate or didn't keep up with the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's quite a difficult thing to sell to investors because they prefer hearing a hundred million to a hundred years. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Again, I guess the edu- that education sort of weaves into that that side of things. And then the final thing, the, the government side of things, I think that, again, the policy, the Scottish government actually, to their credit, is, has been has been good with um, sustainable uh, sustainability and the circular economy. They're, they are they are putting money into it now, but I'd say, as governments globally aren't necessarily all on the same page uh when it comes to things like that um i think we only need to we only need to look to the us currently to 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 understand that and again the kind of the education the sort of misinformation side of things um i think for for us we business the economy needs to, to be the first one that moves we need to be the driving force behind then trying to educate the public so that then the government will then get on board and help us push out that message. I think, unfortunately, it has to be business that moves first for then government to support. Um, mm-hmm. But we we need funding, we need support even just to get going. So it's, it's a bit of a kind of um, catch-22 at the moment that we can't push out the message without government support, but government won't support us until it'll be pushed out the message. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a difficult one, but they, they, they are switching onto it now, which is good. Mm-hmm. So out of those three pillars that you mentioned before, the society, the economics, and then the government, you're saying that it needs to, you need to prove that it's economically beneficial. That's kind of the Absolutely, first step. Yeah. That's the first step. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that on, when it comes to anything, if you want, certainly certainly investors and government to, to listen, it needs to be it needs to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Like or it needs to either profitable or create such an enormous uproar that the government just has to get involved. Right now, sustainability and, and you know, with I mean, I don't I don't know if, if the David Attenborough effect sort of made its way across to New Zealand and Australia with his Planet Earth documentaries with a kind of no I don't I don't think it would have um but certainly in the UK there's a there's documentaries about um 
Planet Earth by a, a guy called David Attenborough. Um, Big fan. And, but, oh, so you did? Okay, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I, I, I wasn't sure if you knew who he was. Oh, he's one of, my, one of my idols, yeah. Definitely. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So in the UK, there's actually a thing called the David Attenborough Effect, uh, which was in one of his documentaries, he spoke about uh, plastic waste in the ocean and basically overnight converted huge swathes of the population over to mm-hmm. looking at sustainability, focusing more on recycling, focusing more on reducing their uh, the, their personal impact on the environment. So other than big, massive viral things like that, the only way the government gets involved is if they can see potential economic benefit. Economic benefit to it. Yeah. That's which, a really... That's a really interesting point, this, because obviously for these, these are fundamental changes that we're talking about. These are fundamental changes to how we run a business. So we obviously need government, you know, policy changes and all that. Um, but like you mentioned, it either those changes either come about through society pressure or else having an economic benefit. So we have to approach it from both those angles and um, yeah, all these massive changes. I think entrepreneurship is fundamental to all of these because where there are entrepreneurs, there is innovation. So the challenge is doing entrepreneurship in a way that's, you know, in the way that's sustainable and kind of compassionate and it's just about doing business better. Yeah. Kind of. I think, yeah, the, the, the way I, I look at it is kind of either, value or impact driven entrepreneurship mm-hmm. i think anybody no, well anyone can start a business because they want to make money mm-hmm. what's what we feel from, from i guess the people we've spoken to the people that that build businesses and actually enjoy being an entrepreneur are people that build businesses around their own values around their own um sort of impact drive rather than just you know i want it, i want a, a nice house um and that's kind of the way we're looking at it is this is something we actually care about it's something we're actually driven to have an impact on uh, yeah. so it kind of it's a lot easier to to come into the office when you actually care about what you're doing that's a super important point this is something that we need to talk about you know what's more valuable having a business where you sell plastic water bottles that makes you 10 million a year mm-hmm. versus running a sustainable eco business where you generate 500k a year but you're adding to the well-being of the planet and you actually feel a lot better about what you're doing absolutely so what yes. we, we, we need to have a conversation around what's actually important what what measurement should we be using to value the success of a business is it money or is it you know there's obviously more factors to it absolutely yeah, I, th- I think because money doesn't correlate again, to happiness, obviously. Totally, I think we we only need to look at the kind of the rising rates of mental health issues, and mm-hmm. um, sort of the sort of millennial generation, who a generation that is searching for for a sort of to, to have an impact for purpose, exactly, and they're going out to work for companies that don't have purpose. And how can they possibly feel fulfilled in their job? How can they possibly feel that they are having the impact they want to when, you know, 
half of their their time is spent in in, in an office that only cares about dri- driving for profit. Mm-hmm. So, as you know, I, that's that's what the thing with the circular economy. It, it's not it's not looking at just doing good. It's not doing your bit. It's rewriting your business. It's rewriting the vision of your business. Mm-hmm. If you are if you are a petrochemical company, yes, you, you're having you're having a, a negative impact on the on the planet. That does not say that you cannot rewrite your business model to still produce the same products, but make sure you maximise every element of it, value wise, and then look at how you can negate your carbon or your your footprint on the, on the world. Whereas at the moment, these companies are looking at well, we're making all this money, so we better you know, donate a bit of money to charity so that people get off our backs. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not a, that's not doing it for the right reason. It's so that they can continue to destroy the, the earth that they're doing those things. It's not, it's not, oh, we've done something bad, therefore we better try and negate it. It's just, oh God, we're getting a lot of bad publicity. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's donate to charity. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And that's not vision based. And the, public see through that and their employees will definitely see through that um so it's yeah it's 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 rewriting that vision it's creating a new mission within a company Mm -hmm. uh with values at their core rather than profit Mm -hmm. so circular economy for those that are not aware of what that actually is can you explain actually what the circular economy means yeah of course so it's kind of it's it's rethinking that business model. So it, it's it's entire focus is um, maximizing um, the amount of value you can create from raw materials and minimizing the amount of raw materials that need to be um, mined. Uh, so, f- for example, you know a company that's say using wood-based products rather than going and chopping down forests to produce the new wood, of which 90% of will be just offcuts that will get chucked out anyway. They can look to collaborate with other companies or, or find um, wood for that's maybe normally going to waste to produce their products uh, to just keep those raw materials in the cycle uh, rather than just getting them sent out to landfill or to, to sort of lower value um, spaces. Uh, I, I mean, I, I wrote... Uh, I actually wrote a blog post on it a couple of um, maybe about a year ago uh, on on LinkedIn, um, and got some sort of some good response. I think that that was kind of when I first realised that maybe people didn't know much about the circular economy. Was when a lot of my um, connections on LinkedIn, who aren't you know and are in no way kind of like out of touch. We're all kind of contacting me saying like wow that's that's interesting didn't know that that's such a no-brainer like why is why aren't more people doing this um so i thought th- so writing that blog was actually quite valuable um there's lots of different facets to to the circular economy uh it's sort of split into different um kind of i guess key elements so that there's kind of recycling exchanging new business models like say well not necessarily new but changing your business model to maybe a lease model um rather than selling products um 
a company that that I personally love is a company called Mud Jeans. Um, I think they're they're based in Scandinavia. I think they might be Danish, um, and they actually lease jeans. So you pay a monthly fee, hmm. and then at the end of the year, you send your jeans back, and they send you a new a new pair. They recycle those jeans. They either upcycle them and just sell them, or they recycle them into the, their new denim. Um, that it seems an odd concept to lease clothes. At the same time, we're totally happy to lease cars, to lease plenty of other things. Um, and it's not like you're wearing someone else's clothes. <laughs> They're still brand new. They just, you know, recycle the, the actual fabric into new, into new products. I see. Okay. So it's not a, yeah. you wear the jeans, you send them back and then they resell them. It's no. Yeah. But even, even that, is fine, I reckon. We we just need a yeah a mind shift change. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. There's such a that's the the kind of current, I guess, business model is the kind of take make dispose mm-hmm. model, which mm. is, and think about the consequences later, or or don't you know ever sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the funny th- the funny thing with the circular economy, and I think that's maybe why some people view it maybe as just the, the, the latest buzzword, is that the circular economy isn't necessarily a new thing. Our, my grandparents' generation and their grandparents' generation, if, a, if they had a shirt and they got a tear in it, they sewed it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whereas nowadays you get a shirt, you have it for a couple of months, oh, there's a tear in it, I'll chuck it out and get a new one. It's, it's not a kind of newfangled concept to... to prolong the life of products it's just that we have out of the last maybe 50 to 70 years have just totally got out of the mindset that once a product is built it should be built to last rather than built almost built to break so mm-hmm. that they buy another one you know you look at mobile phones you look at the sort of cheap clothes that you can buy yes you can buy a t-shirt for 10 pounds but it'll be done in two months and then you'll need a new one. And so actually by the end of the year, you've actually spent more money than if you just spent some proper money on a really good quality organic cotton t-shirt. Like, mm-hmm. um, I th- yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a mindset shift uh, that's, that we need to go back to the kind of, of old way of looking at things that these things have value even when they don't necessarily have value to us anymore, they might have value to somebody else. And if they don't have value to somebody else, they could be repurposed to still have value. That's, I guess, the key parts of it. Yeah, and that requires innovation. If if there is, yeah. you know, like your business model with coffee waste, everyone didn't think that had any value. But you yeah. kind of looked at that and, and uh, did your research and, and whatnot. And you found out mm-hmm. that there is some value to be extracted from that coffee waste. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we definitely need innovation. Um, and what you talked about with, it's just so easy to just buy another t-shirt because it's just so cheap and it's so convenient. You can yeah. buy a cheap t-shirt from, you know, online somewhere, which is a couple of bucks and it'll, it'll arrive at your doorstep the next day. But yeah. if we can also look at it with this t-shirt is terrible quality, it's not going to last very long so if you can quantify that you know if you just buy one t-shirt that's going to last you for x amount of years it'll actually be cheaper 
to buy oh, that totally. to kind of invest you know for a more expensive t-shirt up front because you don't have to this will last you whereas you know a cheap t-shirt you're gonna to have to rebuy rebuy over a period of time so if we can educate yeah. people on it's actually economically more viable to just invest in a better product up front you, you know you'll be better off financially in the long run yeah. as well and you know and yeah, the world absolutely. and everyone else will be better off in the long run yeah mm. totally um just quickly on your concept so i'm an architect so i'm, I'm i love oh, thinking about an idea and, and developing an idea so your revive eco concept business concept where did that start and how did it start um so i guess the, i guess the story basically was that scott and i both uh, were studying scott's my co-founder uh, we were studying at the university of strathclyde here in glasgow um both studying at uh, at the business school um with a kind of focus on entrepreneurship i think we both knew we wanted to start a business we didn't necessarily know what that was going to be um but we knew that it was it would be a, almost a kind of vehicle for us to to try and drive impact and drive a kind of mission uh led um enterprise for us um we both were working in hospitality at the time so i was working at uh, in a cafe um and scott was working in a big kind of event conference center uh, so we were seeing firsthand the amount of food waste in general um but more specifically coffee waste uh, that was going to just going to waste every single day um people were coming in quite often to my cafe uh looking for sort of wee bags of, of coffee grounds to take away to put into their compost or to fling on their garden and things like that so i guess that maybe sort of Sparked. had a bit of a spark at the back of my my mind that maybe there was more value to this product than i realized or that we realized um started doing a bit of research found that yes you know it is almost a kind of old wives tale that coffee grounds are great for your for your compost or for your fertilizer uh, for your garden sorry um started so so the original concept was that we were going to go around glasgow on our bikes <laughs> collect the coffee grounds and create almost industrialize that kind of old wives tale um that had, you know it, it, it got us it, we started doing that on a small scale economically there wasn't it wasn't particularly viable it probably it would have worked as maybe a a kind of charitable project um more than anything um but didn't really have have scale uh to it or it, it wouldn't have worked at scale uh so started looking at if there was other ways we could create value from this product if it you know if it's got all these nutrients that are great for plants the chances are it's got you know if we could access them specifically there might be more value there uh started did some work with the university um and found that all the the kind of oils and acids held within coffee grounds actually have really high value in as i said cosmetics pharmaceuticals the food drinks industry uh and from there it was uh it was basically just looking into well how how can we get these um these oils it's it's relatively easy to get them on a lab scale uh there's there's different process sort of wee processes you can do but if we're wanting to do it on an industrial scale um that was where we had to kind of 
look at, well, we're probably going to have to develop some new technology to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're now working with uh, a research institute that is helping us develop uh, develop a, a technology that was already around, but for a, used for a different, a completely different um, mm. output. Um, it was focused more on actually drying uh, products. Uh, so they're kind of manipulating that to then look at basically, I mean, for want of a better phrase, just turning up the heat <laughs> uh, and rather than just drying it, it dries it and strips out these these chemicals at the same time. Uh, but the best thing for us is that it only uses heat and water. So uh, there's no kind of nasty chemicals going through it in terms of energy efficiency and cost efficiency. It's definitely the best process we could have we could have hoped for. Mm -hmm. Well, that definitely fits with your brand. So you're you're repurposing waste and also repurposing existing technologies to serve a different purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've never even thought about it like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, so thinking and you know, there's yeah, innovating and thinking of how we can do things differently and repurposing. Mm, I love mm. it. So Thank back you. back to the eco business side a bit. So. So eco businesses and sustainable businesses like Revive Eco, how kind of what role do they play in protecting our planet? Mm. Yeah, I, th I think I think I think the, the way we look at it is that we, as I said before, business needs to be or entrepreneurship needs to be the group that takes the first step. They need to be the ones that look at the issues that we're facing and through innovation and sometimes it, like literally just as much as sh shouting about it as loudly as possible, um, they, they are the ones that then influence society into actually taking that problem as seriously as possible, which then influences the government into taking it more seriously. I th so I think they have to be they have to be the ones that take that first step. That's, I'd say that's their role. There, there's, a, there's an educational side to them as well as an economic. Um, I think there's a, an, an element of being able to spot an economic value beyond just the, the impact side of things. Because it's that, like I, like I said earlier, but trying to build a company that's going to be here in 100 years we could we could easily well, we could build a business that looks at let's say recycling coffee waste um and it could have a lot of impact it could really reduce deforestation the amount of waste going to landfill co2 emissions x y and z but if it doesn't have a good economic business model behind it mm -hmm. it's pointless because it, it won't exist in 18 months time so i think that entrepreneurs need to be able to to take on board the problems that we have in the world and then marry that up with the kind of the business they have to align they have to they, there, there needs to be there needs to be at least some profit drive behind it because like I, i'm not i'm not going to sort of money is is in no way the drive the driving factor behind what scott and i do mm -hmm. but we still for one scott and i still need to get a salary like so so we need to make sure that money comes in to cover our living expense or like to live mm -hmm. so we 
So there, there still needs to be money. Money still needs to play a part in it, unfortunately, um, as much as we maybe wouldn't want it to. Um, so being, yeah, being able to marry up that kind of um, the kind of problem with business model, and then being able to marry those up and shout that out to the to the, the public as loudly as possible, I think is their kind of key key role. Because uh, anybody could, any, like I would say, everyone knows that deforestation is bad, or that that um, you know the amount of waste going to landfill is bad. That's not necessarily the same as being able to to look at that and say, well, here's what we can do about it, and here's how we can make sure that we can still be doing it in ten years' time. Um, it's the, yes, it's that marriage of of the those two things, or totally a couple of things. And I think we another part of the equation is I don't think money isn't inherently bad. It's it's no. the businesses that generate that money and the effect that they have on people and, and you know, ecosystems and species, that's the negative part. It's not the money. So we, no. we, we need to look beyond kind of money is bad. Money, yeah. money, is totally. money is neutral. It's kind of how you generate that money, which is either good or bad. So we just need to figure out good ways to generate that money. Yeah, because totally. pe- yeah, mon- money just is. Yeah, it just is. It's, it's, like it's, it not, it's, neither, it's neither good or bad. It's just it is. So when, when people talk conservation and money, they kind of, they don't see that they should be, you know, worded in the same sentence because they just, one's yeah. evil and one's, one's good. But it's, yeah, yeah we, we need to, Hopefully. we need to talk about that. Money isn't bad. It's how we make the money and how we use the money, which is potentially bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's the only time that money, money has value is when it's either, earned or spent once it's when it's just sitting it's it is nothing it is but nothing, yeah. if you yeah if you if you are earning it in an unsustainable or kind of destructive way or you're spending it in an mm. you know in, in a sort of a bad way mm-hmm. that's that's where there's an issue if you just if, if a, a really sort of value mission driven business has millions and millions of pounds sitting in the bank. That's in no way a bad thing. No way. That's fantastic. It means it means that they have got money there to try and push for new mm-hmm. projects, to try and innovate and do this, that, and the next thing. But I think, as you said, yeah, it's got this negative stigma to it. Stigma because you look at you think of big business, you think of big profit only being associated with businesses that don't necessarily have the nicest track record that mm-hmm. have done it maybe not in the nicest possible ways um but yeah removing that stigma is is really I think important. that's very important like for example if you know a concept like a, a charity such as wwf for example if they were a 200 billion dollar company and they're using that, to, that using that money for the benefit of the planet totally how's you know that's a great yeah. thing no yeah it's yeah. It's, it's not the money the issue. It's, it's how we earn the money and how we spend the money. That's where we should yeah. judge whether it's good or bad, and those two factors: totally, how we yeah. earn it and how we spend it. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of brings me to the next question: with how can we create more responsible businesses that can support conservation? Hmm. How can we inspire these kind of businesses to? Uh, exist exist mm. i think again i think it comes that it again comes down to that money 
side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can people, prove that it can um, generate some money, then that will bring people in. Yeah. Regardless I, I of whether their intentions are to save the planet or whatever, exactly. they could be drawn that's, in that's just by key. the money and the that's key. conservation of the planet is a byproduct. Totally. And, but yes, but that doesn't negate the fact that they're still having that positive impact. Totally. Like you said, somebody could come in and say, well, I want to be a millionaire there. And I know that, you know, impact business is big right now. It's, it's making money. So I'm going to push on that. And it's kind of like, do you know what? I don't actually care that you're going to make lots of money out of it because you're still, ha- as long as they're still having that impact, then it's still a positive move for the for the world. Yeah, yes, the chances are they're going to cut corners. They're not going to have as as they're not going to maximise that impact. But it's small steps. You know, it's got it's got to be. Uh, I think that yeah, if you can demonstrate that there is value to be made, people will always follow money. Um, and the fact of the matter is that the public are for, for all that the. the the public are, are, are a, a strange, uh, and I'm counting myself in this, they, for some things, are smart and for some things are unbelievably dumb as a group. Totally. Um, but the one thing that they're very clever about is seeing through a, a phony business mesh, mission. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody comes out and says, we are all about the planet and we are, we are the greatest out here, but behind the scenes... They're not doing anything actually about that. The public will see through that, and that's that. That is that company done. They mm-hmm. will. They will not get over that. So, whilst we might go through a phase of having some people looking at, say, ourselves at Revive, seeing, wow, those boys are making some money from that. I'm going to do that because I want to make money. For a while, though, these businesses will, will, will come up and they'll they'll fail because none of them have the actual vision. They don't actually know what they're doing. And eventually, it'll become clear that value-driven entrepreneurship has to be that. It has to be driven by by vision, by by impact, by more than just your own bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think once people genuinely realize that, th- that can only be a good thing. I think that also once people realize that... I, I love I love what I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like I think that people people seem to forget that be, being charitable, doing things for other people, doing things for the greater good is a there there is no feeling like it. And it seems it seems to be it seems to me that people understand that concept and yet can't when they start a company straight away they go from like oh i've got this amazing idea and i really want to do this and then an accountant or whatever gets involved and all of a sudden they just mm-hmm. they fall to the profit side because it's kind of like oh well i need to make more money if i want to make more you know for in order to make more money i need to make more money you know it's and that's all they think about and it's kind of well one you're stressing yourself out daily mm-hmm. two you can have the biggest house and the nicest car it doesn't matter because when you're 75 years old, you're going to look back on it and say, God, I hated that job <laughs> and I've, I've had no life because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, focusing on something you enjoy, something you care about, is 
you, you never do a day's work in your life because you're turning up doing something you care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we can, if we can get people not just to understand that concept, but to actually see that concept, because I think I think, sorry, I'm waffling a bit. Here. No, 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 no. But I'm with you. I'm with you. About. Um, I think you hear quite often people, you know, high level. Uh, business people, your Richard Branson's, your Elon Musk's, your your whatever, talking about that you know they they loved the job, the work, mm-hmm. and that therefore working ninety hour weeks was no issue. And I think people maybe think like, I yeah, I'm sure Elon, like I'm sure that's that's actually how you felt. You're, it, it's easy to say that when you're a multi billionaire, but the fact of the matter the matter is that he couldn't have reached nobody has nobody's that driven to jut to well most people aren't that driven to work that much to, to put every moment of their life into building something that they don't care about that doesn't give them happiness whereas when you're turning if you're turning up to your nine to five job in a company you hate with people you don't want to be with mm-hmm. it's no wonder that you you're you're not happy out with your job, mm-hmm. um, and that's that, that sounds like I'm blaming people for their their life choices. I'm in no way saying that. But it's I think a self awareness thing. People need to be they need to practice a bit of um, self awareness. Like these guys, like Richard Branson, Elon Musk, whatever they they've, they've achieved some great things, and yeah. like you mentioned, they you know they extract a lot of happiness from what they do, and totally. To achieve what they've achieved, it takes a lot of time, and I reckon it's near impossible to achieve these things if you, if they don't derive any happiness from what they do. They're not going to do it because yeah. it's going to take years and years and years to try like to even get close to achieving it. So, yeah, you need to be self aware of what makes you tick. Um, like one thing that I've I've constantly been thinking about is with purpose. Like you know living with purpose but what does that actually mean for me my definition is purpose is where you is the intersection of what makes you happy what you're good at what makes you money and what adds value to the world so if you can find find something that combines those four things that's your purpose and that will once you find that thing, that can kind of sustain you for years and years and years. You'll be set. Yeah. But the, 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 the challenge is trying to find those things. It's obviously mm. that takes a lot of time and exploration. But yeah. Definitely. I, that's, I think, a, a, a challenge worth pursuing in my mind. Yeah. So you're doing some pretty amazing things with Revive Eco. Um, how can consumers or the general public help you in pursuing your mission? Um. Right now, we're 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 kind of at a, a phase at the moment where we're kind of at the development stage. Um, so we don't have necessarily any products or um, or anything for, I guess, consumers to 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 buy or to, or anything like that to help us out. Um, I mean, it would be great for them to just talk about us uh, or tell people about us. Um, Make sure to follow us on our social medias uh, at revive underscore eco. Um, but also, I think open that conversation. As as I as I've been saying, like I think that 
it's important for us to try and push the conversation forward as a business. Uh, so if we can try and influence um, individuals to 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 look at what they're doing and to talk to people about um, these these issues, I think that's that's that would be great for us. The, the more the more that people are are speaking about it, the more that the big companies that we are going to be trying to sort of sell our ingredients to will listen because they they are only unfortunately really driven by by profit they're driven by um most of them not all of them we're, we're, we'll be trying to work with more um sustainable businesses but at the end of the day there's there's always going to be a bottom line um and if their customers are saying that we want more sustainable ingredients we want you to work with these get with revive uh that that makes that our life a lot, a lot easier um on on that end and, and sort of trying to open their eyes to to the, the possibility a lot easier mm -hmm. so through creating so, yeah, a, a dialogue around this uh, yeah this conversation that yeah. seems to be the kind of the step one for anything is create a dialogue keep talking about it and then through that it changes people's minds Totally, yeah. Um, so that segues to my next question on how can we all work to live more sustainably? I I, th I think as a it's a it's a great question. I think when it comes to trying to make it to to live more sustainably or try to try to do anything um, different in in your life, quite often what it takes is just taking a moment to just to think about the bigger picture. Yes, you are only chucking that that used t-shirt in the bin. That's that's a that's a one second moment. The t-shirt's the t-shirt's torn bin. Mm -hmm. It's easy, that's easy. Everybody's done it. But if you just take a second to think, right, well, where's this come from? What raw materials have been used? How has it got to me from being produced in probably Asia to the UK to be sold to me for ten pounds. What who who has been affected in in that? Because someone hasn't been paid enough in that situation. Um probably multiple parties haven't been paid enough. And now you're taking from from a product that probably took, you know, a time and effort to, to produce you're now taking one second at right bin it's got the tiniest hole in it bin mm. you need to look at what's happened and the effect of where, where that's going once you actually think about those things it's a lot more difficult to make that quick decision it's see simply scott like scott and i being involved in this situation and, and circular economy and sort of the waste industry i guess it makes it a lot more difficult to look at i don't know um a, a half-eaten plate of food and mm. think oh well just put that into the bin that's tomorrow's lunch that's i could fire that into a composter i could do hundreds of better things with that than just simply oh just quick the quick and easy swipe it into a bin but once you think about it, once you think of the effect of that and where that's come from, it yeah, it makes it makes that decision a lot more difficult um, and a lot more real. Mm -hmm. um, because I, th I think people see the news and they see, you know, 
landfills are you know growing by this or or you know this amount of waste is going to landfill and it's producing this amount of carbon emissions and it's easy to sit there and go like oh god that's terrible and then change the channel because when you look at something that's a, a hundred million tons of waste you can't think no one thinks like oh god how much you know that's that's me because it's you're playing such a tiny part in it it's easy to just discount it mm -hmm. but everybody discounts it and therefore all the way still ends up going to landfill so it's it's it needs lots of people doing little things not kind of a few people doing big things because it's it's that mass movement that is required so, so it's, i think it's it literally as simple as just taking a moment uh, and thinking about it because uh, it makes that decision a hell of a lot more difficult so being a conscious consumer and a yes, conscious totally. liver we need to live more consciously we need to be thinking about what we do, what we spend yeah. our money on, how we interact, how we do it. We just need to be thinking. And I guess we need to take that on as a, as a challenge because thinking takes up more of our time and time is a valuable asset to everyone. Yeah. But it's an important the, thing the to one, do. The one thing I'd say, I'd say to that is people quite often say, oh, you know, I don't have the time to, to think about this, that and the next thing who or everybody if they're looking for i'll just use the t-shirt that's just the easiest analogy if someone's looking for a t-shirt they want a blue t-shirt and they want it in medium they're then going to look they're going to spend time finding probably either the cheapest or the best value for money t-shirt they can find so they that nobody just go types into google blue t-shirt clicks and buys the first one they already without realizing or doing research, they're already thinking about, well, what do I want? Do I want the cheapest? Do I want it to be high to the best value to me? Do I want to spend really good, a lot of money on it? Is it a gift? You know, this, that. All these things are going on in their mind subconsciously. And so therefore they think that they're not thinking about it. They are thinking about it. They're just used to it. They're not used to thinking about the sustain, the, the, the impact beyond financial. So it's it's just that it'll take time, but eventually, it's not. You don't think you're not thinking about it anymore. It becomes that subconscious part of the behind at the back of your brain that says, mm, "Maybe you shouldn't buy that T-shirt. That company's known for X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should look at Patagonia, at you know whatever other kind of more sustainable brand that is out there mm -hmm. and it's no longer a oh, right oh god i'm gonna to have to do loads of research to find this it's just you just know in the mm -hmm. same way that you know that you're looking for value or you're looking for cheap or you're looking for expensive mm -hmm. so it's de that's, developing that's these all those moments yeah so yeah. De developing these eco habits i guess the, yes they need to become yeah. they need to become habits eco habits yeah, like and the other, and the other thing, yeah, eco habits. That's got a nice ring to it, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> but the other thing that uh, other part of the equation was this idea that our actions don't have any impact. Like it's yeah. very, uh, uh, sorry, a meme. I've been saying this to numerous people, but there was this a meme saying that you know, me, it's one plastic straw says uh, me using one plastic straw doesn't make a difference says 8 billion people yeah 
that's, that definitely wasn't what the meme said, but it's along, <laughs> along those along lines. But yeah, this mentality that our impact, you know, our impact doesn't, or our actions don't work in isolation. They have an impact. They have a ripple effect. They affect uh, the people in your family, your community. So we need to get beyond this mentality that, you know, what we do doesn't matter because it does, it has an effect. And I think it's a Tanzanian proverb that says, um, little by little, little becomes a lot. And, you know, what we do, you know, it can develop momentum and these small actions can turn into big actions if enough people get involved. So that's, that's another part of that equation is just acknowledging that, you know, what we do actually does make a big difference as well. Yeah. Yeah, okay. totally. I, I think that, yes, yeah, it's, it's easy to get what to get, you know, to, to feel like because you play such a, you know, such a small role in, you know, what and what's going on. Therefore, if you don't care about it, it won't have an impact. Mm-hmm. It does. But everybody, everybody isn't caring about it <laughs> enough. So it's, those it's the same you know it's the same as voting you know or or that's a kind of similar idea if you don't think your vote is is worth it say say i don't know for the new president new prime minister it's the exact same idea everybody needs to vote if Mm -hmm. nobody votes nothing changes so you saying oh well i'm not going to vote because it doesn't mean anything well if everybody thought that then no (laughs) there would be no yeah. change in parliament there would be no no nothing sort of ch- change in there that they're, they're, everybody needs to play take their or play their part be accountable. Uh, and it's so easy mm. pardon yeah everyone needs Sorry. to be accountable accountable yeah. exactly yeah that's that's the perfect word yeah i think i think the psychology um in psychology in this world of psychology they call that the bystander effect i think so I think, I, yeah, thanks for right. Yeah. yeah, the idea like if if I was in a you know this room and there was a fire that started just behind me, I'd get up and put it out. But if I was in a room mm. with twenty people and there's a small fire, is there's less chance of me doing anything because I feel I believe that someone else will do it for me, and it's that yeah, it's that mentality. Yeah, dangerous. Totally. Okay, last question, last final question. What message would you like to give our Orangutan Alliance followers? some of whom also come from food and cosmetics or are consumers who welcome innovation like yours? Um, well, I, I think, I think uh, again, going back to the kind of, to the, to the general listenership, um, it's that, that message of, of take, a, take a moment uh, to think of your, of your own impact. Mm-hmm. Then for, for the, I guess, to the, to the business side of things, well, actually, to the business side of things, again, take a moment. The, the difference is it, it's it's the values and and the impact of your company. Uh, if when you're signing that deal for your for whatever it is, think about beyond just the the financial gain or the financial uh, uh, parts of of that deal. I'm sure that most people listening that are listening to 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 this. I would hope already are are switched on to those things. Uh, I I would have thought, and if they are, uh, shout about it. I th- I think that people maybe don't 
quite get the value in just talking. That that that's why I think you know people often say that the the sort of word of mouth is always the best sort of the best marketing any company can have because it's real people giving their real opinions mm-hmm. um, and either you know promoting or not promoting um, a company. The same stands for ideas. Um, the only way, the only way this that the circular economy, that sustainability, that all these things can move forward, is through discussion. So the, and that's not necessarily to say that what we are doing is definitely the answer, or that the circular economy is the answer. If we go out and say this is what we believe, this is what we think is the way forward, we need to then welcome discussion. We need to welcome people from both sides, people that think that's not enough, and people that think that's not worth it. Mm-hmm. That discussion needs to be had, and eventually, the hope is that a model or a, a a movement is created that brings everybody on board. Because unfor- unfortunately, the people that want to do everything, and the people that want to push for like sustainability uh, to be as sustainable as possible, will always be dragged back by the people that don't care about sustainability. There needs to be a model that in- that includes everybody that in- that brings in economic value, environmental value, societal value that includes governments, public, the uh, business. I I believe that the circular economy is that model uh, and that and value-driven entrepreneurship is that model. But I absolutely welcome the discussion um, to to sort of debate whether or not actually X, X business model is, is a better way forward for, mm-hmm. for the planet. Um, so I'd say, yeah, just take, take that moment to think about your impact and talk about, talk about your impact and why you think that's useful and how you think other businesses could have more impact. Um, but be prepared to welcome a debate. Don't just kind of shove it down people's throats. (laughs) I think that's, that's a great message. Um, yeah, having being convinced on your message and believing in what you're doing, but also being open to having a dialogue and receiving new information and being open to change your thinking if mm. a better idea comes about. Totally. Yeah, I think that's very important, not only for this, but for, for anything that we do. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please feel free to subscribe and leave a review. It really does help us out growing this channel. Thanks again, and we will see you in the next episode.